All right, everybody. So I've got with me today Britt Mooney. Uh, Britt is a pastor and church planter. He's also a former missionary to the Republic of Korea. He's a podcast host and entrepreneur. He's an author. I can probably just keep going. Uh, but uh, he's also just got an awesome heart uh, for building community and uh, really just uh, really excited and honored to have Britt with me on the podcast today. So Britt, man, thank you so much for being here. Man, thanks for having me, and thanks for rescheduling. We had to reschedule a couple times with yeah, <laughs> with life happening as it does. But no, I mean, I'm excited. We've already had a great conversation, and uh, it was been great to get be connected with you. Yeah, well, I really appreciate it. We had some flexibility on both ends, I guess. Last week, um, my whole family had the had the COVID, so we were uh, I was out of pocket for a few days, <laughs> and uh, you were gracious and rescheduled with me. And then, but we also uh, we had a we did have an awesome conversation. We were on your podcast a little while back, the Kingdom Over Coffee podcast, and uh, just had a really great time and really enjoyed that conversation. If I if I remember correctly, we talked. Uh, of course, we talked about ministry. We talked about church planting, but we kind of had a focus on multicultural um, building of ministries and stuff like that. And uh, it was a really, really, I think, unique and, and special conversation. So I'd encourage everybody to check out the Kingdom Over Coffee podcast. You can find it on um, Spotify and on all the major podcast platforms, right, Britt? The major ones, yeah. Amazon, Spotify, I'm on YouTube, <laughs> Google, and Apple. I think those are the major ones, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Sh show Brit some love. On yeah. The and, <laughs> you know, I, after I interviewed you, I had a great conversation with someone about the influence of, of pornography on our culture. So, you know, it's always good to get uncomfortable with people. You know, that's always the Christian yeah. thing to do. So, but no, it was a great yeah. conversation about, <laughs> but, but it's important because instead of not talking about it, we need to talk about it. You know, it's for it's, sure. It's so widespread. So, so just to let people know, there's we, we deal with stuff. Uh, yeah. But that to me is the kingdom. The kingdom deals with stuff. The kingdom is not just what happens in, for an hour on Sunday morning. The kingdom is every part of life. It has something to say about every part of life. So it's good. That's so good. And yeah, and I, I think that that's a, that's an important thing. I think that we have a little bit more freedom when we do these sort of you know, extended conversations here where we just kind of allow it to to flow and we can talk about some of those issues that come up and maybe some things that you wouldn't necessarily be preaching in a sermon from the pulpit on a Sunday morning. Not that I think we should hide from those things um, just because we're behind the pulpit. I think we can be as real as we want to be in those settings as well. But I do think that having conversations like this and, and I, I like the the door that gets open for there to be learning and for there to be growth and for there to be transformation that happens in the form of a, of a laid back conversation. And so, you know, I appreciate what you do. And again, appreciate you joining me today, bud. Well, thanks. Well, that's the whole point of, of what discipleship really is. Discipleship wasn't meant to be a program. Yeah, you know, disciple, Jesus didn't say, Hey, Hey, James and John, I know you guys are fishermen, but I have this class at three o'clock on Tuesday afternoons. So you, you know, I mean, he said, come live life with me. And and Sunday mornings and the teachings on Sunday mornings, they it have it has a place. But but you're right. If we can't just have that because real life is going to happen and real change is going to happen when we have those extended conversations, living with people, living life with people. 
where you get to ask hard questions, where you get to pass on what you've learned, you know, and we, and we, when we think about the people that have impacted us the most, it, those were the people, right? Those are the people mm -hmm. that, that we knew who opened their lives to us. They were vulnerable with us and they were willing to let us be real and deal with stuff. And, and, and the gospel being applied in those sort of situations in a conversational way. I mean, that's, that was, that was how Jesus discipled those guys. And if you yeah. look at how they set up in the church in acts, it was a constant community. It wasn't a simple, well, we heard a sermon on Sunday and let's just kind of come back on, or I guess it would have been Saturday maybe. Uh, but you know, and let's just come back in a week. It was like they met every night. They were with each other all the time well wow. and they and they knew the needs of one another and they knew how to how to interact with one another and you know all of that so so for me that's why i love podcasts but it's also you know why i like to have some of those difficult conversations because i think we've unfortunately we've gotten away from some of that with our religious sort of life we we think it has to be a program or it has to be scheduled or it has to be something mm. like this and i think yeah. For me, transformation has always happened when I was just being real and I had a mentor that I could go to and ask questions and we, we had a relationship, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's, there's definitely something that's so important about that relationship building and community building that goes so far beyond, like you're saying, a program or even a sermon or a message or whatever. I mean, I think that when we go to church consistently and we're being taught the word of God and we're worshiping together in the context of community and all of that, that it's very important. It's very essential, you know, uh, like hearing the the teaching of the word of God from, you know, week to week and all that kind of stuff. It's all important. And that's why we do it. And it definitely helps us grow week to week. But at the end of the day, most people don't look back and remember, you know, too many sermons from their past. You maybe have a handful of teachings that you can look back on because it really impacted your life and God really gave you revelation through it or whatever. But it really is. It's more about the relationships that are built. And, you know, I think that's been one of the major challenges and one of the major um downsides, you know, besides the obvious, but one of the major downsides to this past couple of years with, um, you know, the lockdowns and everything, there's there's been some definite positives to it for sure with being able to reach people that you might not have been able to reach before because maybe you're online now when you weren't online before. And, and mm -hmm. there's just more, I think, comfortability around going to to church or even um being involved in some sort of a church community from in the context of online and stuff like that where there's been some positive stuff to it i know for us as a church like we're able to reach people we're reaching more people now than we were prior to the pandemic and it's caused us to have to innovate and do things differently but at the same time you know you can definitely become too comfortable with distancing you can become too comfortable keeping to yourself and you know it's that was that was never the point the point wasn't to create more comfort i think the last thing that the church in america needs is to become more comfortable but unfortunately you know those are some of the negative downsides and things that happen 
when we uh when we you know when we do the things that we do but uh but yeah those those relationships and building community and all of that is just so key and i do think that we've got to become more more comfortable and more willing to have those sometimes difficult conversations like you're talking about and be willing to get into the trenches with people yeah. and just be willing to be real with people and upfront and not become scandalized by you know these different these different things that that we have um you know maybe issues that somebody's going through struggles addictions sin issues you know whatever and i think that it's so important to to foster that kind of comfortability for those deep conversations and again messy and difficult conversations many times that take place because that's ministry i mean that's what ministry is it's not all you know i think the preaching from the pulpit is important but it's such a small aspect of what ministry is really all about it's about getting a lot involved in the lives of people because that's where as you said growth and transformation takes place well you know jesus had basically three levels okay jesus had the the, the mob <laughs> depending yeah. <laughs> on how, or, or the crowd, I don't know how you want to say it, but, but he had the crowd, but he didn't say the same things to the crowd that he said to the 12. Right. You know, you see what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. so th there's some things you say to the crowd legitimately. And, and that's important. I mean, Jesus said, I only do what I see my father do. I only say what I hear him say. So he was being obedient by preaching this message publicly. And then there was the 70. Actually, you could say there were four levels. There was the uh -huh. crowd. There was the 70, right, that he sent out. Mm -hmm. There was the 12. And there was the three. And there was actually yep. five, right? And there was the one. <laughs> so my, my, yeah. my point is, is, that, is that Jesus had levels of relationship. Yes. Because he was a human. I mean, he was... God in a human's body. So he only had, he, he's limited in space and time in that sense. Right. So he, so, so as a pastor, I have whatever the message that's going on on Sunday morning for 30, 40 minutes. Right. Mm -hmm. But that's the crowd, right. That goes out on the internet. Somebody in Alaska watches it who I've known as a kid. And they're like, Oh, that really encouraged me. Right. I mean, there's, there's that. But the the truth happens and discipleship happens when you go deeper than that. Yes. Than that. It's not surface level. It's still truth. But you're not going to get it all in 30 minutes or 40 minutes on a Sunday. You're not going to get it all. It, it The only way you get what God really wants to share with you is if you have those other levels, too, where you have closer friends. And then you have even closer friends. And then you have maybe one friend that you really mm. loves you, right? I mean, wh whatever yeah. that looks like. And, you know, there was an article that uh, my brother-in-law shared with me a couple of years ago, maybe three or four years ago now. But it was basically, and it wasn't even a Christian article, but it was a this article where the psychologist was talking about how men in 40 years old and older are reporting record numbers of loneliness, record record mm. amounts of loneliness. Oh, I believe and, it. And right, uh, anybody who's that age or no, or has been around men of that age, well, do, they don't need the statistics. They're gonna they're gonna believe it. But 
but this writer kind of went through what went on. So kind of goes through this process of when you're a kid, you have really close guy friends, Mm -hmm. like really close guy friends. And then at some point we're told in order to have really close emotional, uh, that the only way for us as men to have a really close emotional tie with someone is to have a girlfriend or get married. Right. That, that it's only uh, Mm. that we can only be that sort of emotionally vulnerable with another woman. Wow. Which is of course, completely unbiblical. Right. I mean, it said David loved, loved Jonathan more than any woman. And it wasn't a gay thing. It was just, they were close friends. And so, and then, then they start having kids and, and so, they just over time they lose their male community they lose friends until they and then they you know they achieve all that they set out to do they they're married they got kids they got a great job they got a great house they got two cool cars whatever and yet they're desperately lonely wow and and we need each other right what what's the greatest commandment? Well, I'll give you two because you really can't separate them, right? Love God, love yeah. others. And, 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 and when we're in church, it's so hard, especially in the South, especially in the South where there's this church culture mm-hmm. where church is about what happens in a program or what happens at a building. Right. And, and, and if you ask people at church is people and church is not what happens. Oh yeah. That, I mean, they'd agree with you, but I'm, you know, like I do, if you minister in the South, like there's this culture around church and it's hard to break out of that. Sometimes you have to be weird like me and just have church in a brewery and just sort of like, you know, <laughs> just shake just, people up and be yeah, like, just defend the sensibilities. Just you know? like, Hey man, like it, do we believe this or not? Yeah. Because you know, because here's what happens. And we were talking about this the other day, because here's what happens if what people do in the South. And again, I don't know in the, you know, other places, but because of the church culture in the South, you know, it's like, well, you know, I want a good sermon. So I go to this church for a good sermon, but they didn't really have the best worship. So I'm going to go to this other church for the best worship, Uh, but they Mm. don't really have the best youth group. So I'm going to go over here to this church (laughs) for my kids. Do you, Am I wrong? Right. No, you're right. You're right. And so instead of plugging into a community, because no community is perfect, yeah. just like no person you get to pick perfect. and choose what you want. But here's what happens. Then when their life goes into crisis, who mm. do they know? Wow. Because going to all these different programs, they've isolated. They've actually isolated themselves. They can lie to themselves and say, well, I, man, you know, the church is universal and it's true. Right? It's church is universal, but, yeah. uh, but well, church is everywhere, man. And it's, you don't know, you have to be in one place and I'm a part of all these, but you're not a part of any group. You think you're a part of five different groups, but you're really not a part of any group. And, and so then when crisis happens, you're alone and mm. you have a lot of very well, surface relationships, but you don't have the 12 and the three and the one. You don't have well, those sort of connections because because here because what that takes to get there is enduring and moving and loving past mm. 
difficult conversations and difficult times. Yeah. If I'm just going, if I'm going here for the sermon, I'm going here for the, for the worship, I'm going here for the youth group and I'm going here for the marriage class. Then here's what happens is I, I, I've never gone. I've never had to go through any difficult conversations with anybody. I've never had to deal <laughs> with a fault with somebody. I've never had to look at the pastor and go, well, I'm not so sure about that man or, or mm. let's see him as human and realize right. he's got issues too, or she, right? I mean, like I've never had to go through all that. So I don't actually have relationship with anybody. And, and then what happens is, like I said, people get into crisis. I've seen this time and time again, people get into crisis and they're alone. Mm. They just, they just have acquaintances in church. They don't have a community. And I'm not saying you have to just wow. go to one church and never go anywhere else. I mean, I'm a part of pastors groups and I go to other, like, Sure. I, I'm not saying like you just go to one church and never go anywhere else. Like, but, but what ends up happening is uh, you, you have to be plugged in enough somewhere where you get past those hard things because everybody well, has issues and everyone's going to have to deal with it. You can't get around it, but, but it's yeah. in that place where you learn to forgive like Christ forgave you. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like you, you, like you can't do that with smorgasbord, you know, Christianity, you can't do that. It has to be in a committed community. And, and we've lost a lot of that, at least I think. And, and what I've seen with COVID is our church grew. A lot of churches that I know are like at 50 to 70% of what they were before. Yeah. Because people can watch online. And sure. what it did, what it did, what I saw that it did it, is it kind of COVID became a filter of who was really wanting to be a part of something and who wasn't. Mm. Because if you were just about showing up for a program or a show, you realize, well, I can do this in my pajamas sitting from on my couch. Right. Whereas there were some people who were part of those bigger churches and they were like, man, you know what? I miss people. <laughs> I miss community. And so we had people showing up to our church because all the other churches were locked down. And because of where we were, we were, we were able to open up earlier than other churches because we had, we were, because of the brewery we meet in, um, yeah, they yeah, have yeah. these, they have these big doors. And so it was like meeting outside and they had fans. And so awesome. we were, you know, we were able to meet when others weren't. And so we had a lot of people coming to our church and I was very careful. I'm not a sheep stealer. I'm like, look, yeah. you know, go back to, you know, when, when your church is open, I fully expect you to go back. And most of them ended up going, no, this is our church now because you're, mm. you're about relationship. You're about community. You're about creating a family here. And that's what we were missing. That what COVID did is said, no, that's what we were missing. We weren't missing the show. We were missing the relationships. That's what we yeah, were missing. Man. Yeah. And, um, and it's feel wow. it, and and it's it's so important to realize this because uh, I'm just telling you that that the world, the enemy, our flesh, it resists it. It resists going through those hard moments and those community moments and being vulnerable. I, and and it's got to start with leadership. Leadership has to be vulnerable. Like I have to start saying I'm not perfect. You know what I mean? Like we have to create that culture of of realizing none of us have it all figured out. We're on this yeah. road together, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, man. No, it's so good. Everything you just said. And I, I agree with you 100%. Um, I was thinking as you were talking back to my high school days, uh, back at the, uh, you know, back at the turn of the century, uh, but back in, <laughs> back in high school, when, when um, I, I did have a close group of friends that I had grown up with in church that were I didn't go to school with that were outside of school. But in school, um, in, in high school, like something had happened where I had made like a lot of superficial friendships with people, but like I was, I, I would, I would use this terminology that like I was spread very thin. Mm. It was, it was just the kind of thing where pretty much I was, I was pretty much universally liked, but I didn't have any kind of depth in any of the relationships for a while. Um, and so what happened was I could hang out with this group of people. I could have conversations with this group of people. Like, it didn't matter if you were like, you know, with like the athletic kids or if you were with like the gamer crew or if you were, you know, there were all the different cliques and things like that. For some reason, I was able to kind of be cool with everybody. But then there is this this one day where I realized that something was missing in my life. When I went to hang out with this group of kids after school one day, they invited me to just come and hang out on like a Friday night or whatever. And uh, they were sort of they were like part of the, the gamer crew. And they were, you know, j just as far as when you're in high school, my concept of them was like they're kind of like the, the nerdy kids. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. That's that's what my concept of, uh, was of them. But um, and I knew like one or two of them, like from a couple of classes that I had with them and stuff like that. But it was just this group of friends that were maybe five or six um, people. And then like I just came and, and we were in the basement playing video games and stuff like that and just hanging out, eating pizza. But what I realized really quick was I had kind of judged them from this perspective of, oh, like they're like this nerdy crew and like whatever. But I found out very, very quickly that they were like the best friends in the mm. world. There were like, again, just five or six of them. They were so tight and they had real relationship. And I realized this is awesome. What they have is real friendship. What they have is real community. They have depth to their relationship. And it's not this superficial thing, but they're actually involved in each other's lives and they're actually doing life together. You know, even even in on that level, being a high school kid and not understanding what life is all about anyway, but having that close knit type of relationship. And I became envious of that, watching them there just for like a few hours that night. And I was like, dude, like, I don't think I have that with any single person in my entire school. And there's this group of friends where you'd say, oh, well, they're missing out because, you know, my, my perspective going in was kind of like, oh, well, this is this is it. Like, this is their group of friends that, you know, they're not they're not like me. They don't have th this this idea where they can go and hang out with anybody and whatever and, and be cool. And but what I found out was that what they had was so much more valuable than what I had. Like I could have superficial conversations with a whole bunch of people, but they had real relationships and real community and they could actually support each other and be there for each other and have deep conversations and, you know, just joke around and, and enjoy each other's company. But on a deeper way than what I had with, you know, again, anybody in my in my in my high school at that point in my life. And so it just became something where I saw something. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. And you mentioned a couple of times that that phrase doing life with people. And it's so important that we have that. And so much of that is inconvenient. So much of it is uncomfortable. But we've got to be willing to go after those things that are inconvenient for us. Because I think that 
it, I, first of all, I think that it moves the heart of God. Like when, when I choose, because I can, because things are set up this way because of COVID and because of like whatever else has happened, that now if I want to, I can just stay home and be comfortable on my couch and I can get the sermon and I don't have to let people see how I really feel and I don't have to open up my heart to people. I don't have mm. to do all that. So it's kind of what you were describing, this sort of picky, choosy sort of a thing. I can get this kind of ministry over here. I can do this over here. I can get this word and I can enjoy this word worship. Oh, but you know what? I don't really like what the pastor's preaching about today. So let me just flip over here and I'll see what's <laughs> going on at this at church B over here. And I can do these things. And, you know, again, I just think that the uncomfortability and the inconvenience that community so often requires is so essential because without it, we're not growing. We're, we're, we're stunting our growth. Yep. You know, if I'm just picking and choosing the things that I think that I need, I'm probably not actually getting I'm, not, I'm probably not actually choosing what I need. I'm choosing what's comfortable for me and what I've grown accustomed to liking. But I'm not stepping outside of that comfort zone where real growth and real community and life and transformation actually has the ability to take place in my life. You know? Yeah. Uh, so a couple things, you know, it's a story I tell often. Uh, but first of all, it was years ago. And there was a young man that was living with us. So we had some single people living in our house with us. And and, uh -huh. and that was intentional. Like we were intentionally trying to have relationship with people. And, and so we were doing something a little more extreme about opening our home and our lives. And, and it was great. And this, this one young man, he and I were having lunch one day. Mm -hmm. And he was sitting there. And of course, this is a guy who was in our church community. We had dinner with him. Like we saw him often, right? Had this great relationship with him. And and he's sitting there across from me. He's, he was a young man in his probably mid-20s at the time. And he and he was complaining to me about the lack of discipleship in our in our fellowship. He was like, Man, I just I, I really want to be discipled. And you know, like like when are we going to like, when are we going to get to real discipleship? Mm. I said, what the heck do you think we're doing right now? Like, what mm. do you think this is like? And, and, and I have this because of who, because I believe this, like, I don't do the same stuff that we don't have a lot of programs at our church. And because people will come to me and they're like, Hey, you know, when are we going to do a Bible study? And I'm like, mm. well, we're gonna go serve the homeless. Why don't you come with me? Oh, well, I don't really have, I don't really have time for that. I'm like, well, I, and I'm not saying I won't do a Bible study with you, but what I'm saying is like, <laughs> like there, like, like if you want to have, like, let's have dinner. And I invite myself over to people's houses all the time. I tell people, if you want to be like Jesus, invite yourself over to people's houses and nice. make them feed you. Uh, Love it. Because I'm like, man, like there's there's something, this is biblical. There's something spiritual about sharing a meal together. Not only did the act did they do it in Acts, but remember, the Jews, based on cleanliness, wouldn't eat with the Gentiles, right? Right. So they're they're there's you you're saying something when you when you sit down and share a meal with somebody. You're actually saying something about, and it's actually it's it's what it's in revelation, right? You know, that, but I will come to you. My father will come to you and we will sit and have and dine with you in your yes. heart. 
if you'll open up your heart, we'll we'll have a meal together in your heart. Like it's it's beautiful imagery, and so mm. it's that sort of stuff where where we get we're so program oriented in a lot of our thinking that and what what and what I think we don't realize is we're losing the culture because of it, because because the unchurched world out there, which is growing by leaps and bounds, if you know any of the Barna statistics yes. and pay attention, the unchurched group, they don't get meet at the same place every week at the same time for an hour. They, that's not even part of what they do. But here's what they do get. Will you come have coffee with me? Let's just, mm-hmm. let's, you want to come have dinner? Let's go see a movie. Like they get relationships. And what they're looking for, and for good or ill, it's not always for the truth in the sense of, you know, religion hasn't always been the evil force that it's being made out to be in our culture. Mm-hmm. But because it has been, they won't go if you invite them to a church. But they, but if you start hard, these hard conversations with people and you're willing to just talk things out with people... They, they then they might show up to church with you because you actually loved on them and actually got into their life with them. And Jesus did the same thing, man. I mean, you know, whether it was a woman at the well or whoever it was, he 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 went to where they were and started conversations and spoke truth to them in the midst of whatever they were going through or healed them or whatever happened. And man, yeah. I, I just I just don't think we realize that's the kingdom. Like, yes, that's the kingdom. That's God's rule and reign happening when we go and we do that with people. Like it feels touchy feely. It sounds mm-hmm. like, oh, well, that's not real church or whatever, you know, like be, because you can't put those numbers on a bulletin board or whatever. Like, you know, this many people, you know, whatever, like you can't do that. It's not salvations or baptisms. Yeah. And that's awesome. It, But the greater includes the lesser. Us yeah. going out and engaging the culture in a way that's meaningful and bridges those gaps, then that will result in people coming to know Jesus, just like it did in Acts. It, it said all this stuff was happening. They were loving each other and no one went without food or no one went. Right. And it said and numbers were being added to their to them daily. Yeah, daily. Um, and not because they had a big evangelism conference, but because they were, because they had a, they had a reputation in the community that they were loving each other, that they had a reputation that you could get something to eat at their house. I'm just telling you, like, it's that simple to some people. That's that, that those little things that bring people hope when you're like, Hey man, when, when, and, and for guys, man, we really, women need to do it too. But I think guys need to be aware of what I said about the loneliness that you you just being able to say, you just be aware, man, like like a guy will say something and you just kind of, oh, well, you know, what we do as men, we go, well, he'll deal with that, right? Like he Mm. can change his own oil or whatever, you know, that sort of thing and not realize like, well, hey, man, would you like some help with that? You know, let's, let's do that together. Or why don't you come over and help me do this? Or let's go out for coffee or let's meet for lunch or you have to be intentional about those things and kind of get those blinders off. And what you'll find is, man, people are willing to share, but it's, it's so rare that someone's willing to just stop and take time and be generous. Yes. Um, with their you know, time. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Like, uh, Heidi Baker, um, you know, ministry that's, 
you know, they've planted thousands of churches in Africa and all kinds of stuff. But her her whole philosophy of ministry at the be from the beginning was stop for the one. Hmm. And 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 when you look at that on paper, it's like, how is me stopping for the one going to result in hundreds of thousands of people giving their lives to the Lord? How is it going to result in planting all these churches and, you know, all all this stuff that's that's come out of their ministry? It's like, but that was the whole thing. It was stop for the one. Be willing to go out of your way and to have a few uncomfortable minutes or to have an hour or two hours, God forbid, you know, where it's like <laughs> you you get outside of the routine of regular life and you're willing to speak into the life of that one person or you're willing to just spend time with that person. As you're saying, my favorite thing, man, is, you know, and I, I hear people talk about this where it's like, um, they just said uh, someone called them up and said, uh, you know, I've, I've got a problem. Can I talk to you? And and their their response is um, not just like, oh, yeah, tell me about the problem and, and we'll talk about it over the phone. It's you know what? Um, I'm about to go to the grocery store. You want to meet me and, and come with me? And it's just like that process of allowing somebody into your life. Yes. Not just having a conversation, but allowing the person into your life, as you said, go to someone's house for dinner or invite them over for dinner. Let them see you in the context of real life. And there's just something about opening your life up to people, opening your heart up to people that I do think that it's, we, I think that we're kind of going just in general, we're going further and further away from that. Um, we're, we're going further and further away from the idea of like, you wouldn't even really, most people wouldn't consider just going up to your neighbor's house or even even someone that you know like someone that's a friend but just going up randomly and ringing the doorbell and saying hey like you know i'm here <laughs> i was in the neighborhood can we hang out but that was the kind of thing that when i was younger like that was normal that was a normal thing but it's like oh is there an app for that like it's like no there's not an app for that so we should, so we it can't be part of our regular everyday life like it's just we're we're trying to simplify and streamline so many aspects of our life that if we're not careful, we can lose the cultural aspect of just doing life with people and building community and building relationship. And uh, I think it's so, so beautiful the way that you were talking about that. It's so key. And it really is, as you said, it really is the kingdom. And it doesn't have to be, you know, kingdom minded is not necessarily focused on how can I get the next hundred thousand people saved? It's like not necessarily, you know what I mean? There's aspects yeah. of being kingdom minded where, you know, we want to be global focused. We want to be focused on missions and we want to be focused on these things. But, you know, what, what uh, I brought this up recently in a different conversation, but there's this this thing that they say in business, you know, a lot of times they say, think globally, act locally. I think that that's a, that that's a thing. Like as God's people, we should be kingdom focused, which means being focused on the world that we are here to love and to serve. But how does that play out? So often that plays out by having a conversation with a friend of yours who's going through something difficult. So often it, 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 it shows up in everyday life by just stopping somebody on the street and having a conversation, even though it's uncomfortable, it might be uncomfortable if you're not extroverted or whatever, but it's just like these simple ways that I think we so often overcomplicate things. And so we miss out on opportunities in everyday life to be the demonstration of the heart of God and to demonstrate the kingdom, you know, oh, in our communities. Uh, 
amen to all of that. You know, here, here's the kingdom, ready? The more you understand the kingdom, the more every single moment matters. <clears throat> like, like, to, what you, to your, to your point, you, you think globally, but you act locally. Knowing that the kingdom is real makes every moment of my life matter because God doesn't waste any of it. It's so good. God doesn't waste a moment when I'm alone, when I'm with somebody. Every moment is an opportunity for reward in his kingdom, in the eternal. Every moment. Mm. And, and here's how Jesus did it. And we can go, oh, well, he fed the 5,000 or whatever, 10,000 or 15 if you count women, and whatever. Yeah. Like, but, but, but again, I, I, you know, I said it before, like, I, Jesus said, I only do what I see my father do. I only say mm. what I hear him say. Like, there's a simplicity to that. That's the kingdom. Yes. That's God in control of me or, and me submitting, basically. He's not in control as if he's going to be a puppet master, but he's mm -hmm. sovereign and it's me acknowledging his sovereignty and his love by saying, you know what, if he loves me and everybody as much as I believe he does, then whatever he's telling me to do in this moment is the best thing ever. Wow. And so therefore you can be like Jesus and he's on the way to heal a dead girl. And he stops and he says, something just happened. Like he was on his way to ministry, yeah. to doing so something good. amazing. And he said, something happened. Power just left me. Something, yeah. faith just happened somewhere. He was so in tune with the spirit. He was so in tune with his father that he stops. And the girl dies in the meantime. Yeah. yeah. But I'm just telling you, that's the kingdom. The kingdom is like, no, this moment matters. And I have to trust God so much that if I react in this moment, I can't be so concerned. Like he didn't know. I don't maybe he did. He didn't know whether or not. But even if the girl dies, I can raise her from the dead. Like, like it's like I'm, I'm not worried about everything. I'm, I'm, wow. I'm, I'm so focused. Paul says, don't let anybody take you away from the simplicity that's in Christ. Mm. There's a simplicity within it. And, and, and we have to remember. And again, I'm not saying we don't. If something's complicated, it's evil or something. I'm just saying that that in the kingdom, it's really that simple. It's that simple of saying, God, Father, what do you want from me? You're, I'm going to submit my heart to you in this moment. Because here's what happens. And just to go further in this, as we do stop and talk to people and reach out to people and get, in, uh, and get involved in their lives, two things happen. Number one. You can you can pretend to be a Christian an, a couple hours a week. You can pretend <laughs> to be a Christian a couple hours yeah. a week. You cannot pretend to be a Christian every day, all day. Yeah. You cannot do it. I don't care who you are. At some point, that level of pressure, if you're if it's not genuine, that level of pressure will break you. And mm -hmm. and and you will be exposed for who you really are. So when we invite people into our lives, they don't, they, it's not a conscious thought, but they realize this dude is genuine. I may not agree with what he believes. I may not be on the same page with everything, but seeing the way he lives, seeing the way he treats his wife, seeing the way he treats his kids, seeing the way he does all this stuff, this guy is genuine. Yeah. 
something is real that's happening here. And that's why you, and, and so you don't do it to show off to people, but you let people into your life to see like the transformation that God's not after converts. He's after a whole life transformation. He's after mm. every aspect of my life being filled with abundant life, ever, all of it. And that doesn't mean I won't ever have any problems. But what that means is that when I do, he's in it with me. And so, and what ends up happening is people see that. And when they see that, they they start to, people would rather see a sermon than hear a sermon. And I've started telling people on Sunday, I, I've, I've been telling, this has been the past, I don't know, a few months. I, I've been saying this. I, I'm like, I want you guys to know why you're here today. You are not here to hear a sermon. Mm. You are here to learn how to go be one. Wow. Because that's what the world needs. The world doesn't need wow. another sermon. <laughs> For me to say one, the world needs people who are sermons out living in their jobs and in their different contexts. That's what the world needs. And see, here's what and then here's what happens. So we're going to take it a step further. If we're listening to the voice of God as we're walking with people and they come to us with problems, we have to also submit our solutions to those problems. We also have to submit our solutions to those problems. We have to say, okay, God, their marriage is about to break apart. What do you have to say to that? Mm. And if you want to get religious about it, that's called a word of prophecy. But you know, that makes some people feel weird to say that. <laughs> but it's okay. But if you want to just get simple about it, and if you're charismatic or not, it's basically hearing from God and saying what he says. Yes. Just listen to him. And and don't and be humble enough to go. Well, I think she should cook and clean more, or I think he should make more money. Like like even I have to give up. I have to submit my own idea of what the solution is because I don't know everything, but he does. And so mm. as I'm as I'm encountering them, I can speak a word that speaks directly into what's going on. But again, it has to be from the place of listening. Well, and then now we can and and now we can be like Jesus, where he says. Go get your husband. Oh, well, um, I, I actually don't have a husband. Oh, I know you don't. You have, right? <laughs> he's in the middle of conversation five, yeah. and he's listening. But he's he's not just, he's not sitting there going, he's not judging her. He's not pushing her away. He's listening sure. to his father. What does she need to hear? Mm. She needs to hear that she's worth more than this. Mm. That she can be a part of the redemption of all things. You Jews say that it has to be on this mountain. We say it has to be on this mountain. He says, no, it, it can just be you. It can just be in you. Come on. And he, he breaks everything that she thought. I'm not good enough for the Jews. I'm not good enough for the Samaritans. I'm not even good enough for my town because I got to go get water in the middle of the day when no one's going to be there. And he's like, you're good enough for my father. He loves you. And that totally transforms your life. But my point is, mm. is that that's we all have the ability to do that through the Holy Spirit. We all have the ability yes. to do that. But we have to, like you're saying, we have to be willing to be inconvenienced at times. We have to be willing to say, you know what? Maybe I don't get everything that I was supposed to get done today. Maybe what's most important right now is a friend of mine. Mm. Who, who 
who literally says to me on the phone and I, and I, and I, and God says, you know, you should call him, check on him. And then I call and check on him. And he says, man, I'm, I'm having a real hard time actually. And I, you know, and it, dude, you're like me, right? Mm -hmm. I, I think you and I are similar in this. I could fill up all of my time with projects. Sure. Sure. I'm a, I'm an author. You, you, you said the list. Yeah. And the beginning of the podcast, I'm an author, a church planner, I'm a marketer for a coffee company, podcast. Yeah, the list goes on. The list goes on, but I'm like, you know what? What if none of that ever gets done? Come on. What's most important is that this guy's struggling mm. and he doesn't have anybody. And he, he feels connected enough with me to be vulnerable. Yeah. What, do I just tell them to like, you know, in the military, they'd say, you know, you know, go get some bourbon and, you know, call it a day. Um, but, in, you know, but in the kingdom, we say, no, like he needs connection. And so we invite him over. I was talking with a, um, I was talking with the, a ministry leader last year and I was, and he's somebody I've known for 30 years. I've known him for a long time. And but he wasn't always a ministry leader. Like he was always, he loved Jesus and he was a salesman and he, you know, good, good guy, great guy. And, but you know, he got to his sixties and his mom passed away and coming back from the funeral, he looked at his wife and his kids who are all adults, all adults now. And he said, that's it. I'm, I'm quitting. I'm retiring. Hmm. I'm retiring early. This isn't what God has for me. God has something else for me. And he started a ministry that has been feeding, giving out millions of pounds of food every year. Wow. I mean, and he feels more alive than he ever has before. And so I wanted to get involved more with his ministry because some things happened with COVID and you know, some doors closed for some other things that we were doing. And, and I wanted, and I, you know, I wanted to get more information about what he was doing and how we could get involved as a church. And as we're talking, and I said something, I said, most ministries fail for lack of finances or lack of relationships, lack of hmm. friends, lack of finances or friends. And so I was just being real with them. I said, I'm just going to be real with you. And I'm going to ask you, how's the finances? How are you getting paid? How are you paying your bills? I know you retired and I just, just, I pushed a little, right? Yeah. And he said, we're okay, but I want to go back to what you said. He said, I don't have any friends. He said, I've been praying for a friend. I don't have anybody I can talk to about well, what's really going on in my life. This man is, is in his 60s. He's married. Wow. He's, he's got some great kids. He's the head of a ministry. He's in a small group at his church. And he's sitting there and he says, I don't feel like I have anybody I can talk to. And I said, well, that's how the devil's going to get you. <laughs> that's it. That's it. And so... So we have lunch <laughs> uh, every now and then, right? I mean, because I'm like, I can't put this off on somebody else, right? I mean, like, here I am. And that, that doesn't mean that it has to be me all the time. But let's talk. Let's be real. Because I, not because I want to fix him, but because I believe in his ministry. I believe mm. that God has done this. And I Come do on. not want to see him fall to the enemy who wants to isolate us and get us 
isolated and take us down. And that's, so it's the kingdom to me. And there's a lot of other parts of the kingdom, <laughs> but, uh, but to me, it's, 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 I, I think the more that we do this, the more the church is going to be prepared for anything the world throws our way. Yeah. But if we're isolated and we have superficial relationships, we will fall quickly. Yeah, man. Well, as you said earlier, it really comes down to two things. It's loving God and loving people, right? And anytime, like if we're getting more focused on the on the programs and on different things that we're doing, and again, programs are not bad. A program no. can help no. you reach people. A program can help you love people, yep. you know? And so I just think that we have to evaluate the things that we are doing in the context of, of ministry and in the context of, of just regular everyday life, you know, is what I'm doing helping me to accomplish the overall goal, which is what, which is loving God and loving people. And I think so often, as you said, man, I, I love the, the imagery of that story of Jesus on his way to do ministry on his way to heal a girl. And then on the journey, he 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 recognizes he was so in the moment that he felt the power of God leave from his body and to touch this this woman's life who had been sick for 12 years. And mm. so being so being so in the moment, you know, I think that we miss that. I think that we so often I know speaking me personally, I miss out on that so much is just being in the moment. And, and so often we miss the people that are in front of us and we miss the opportunities that are in front of us because we're focused on getting to the next thing, because right. that next thing that we're doing is good. It's like the project I'm working on, the book that I'm writing, the ministry event that I'm planning for, the sermon that I'm prepping, the whatever it is, those things are good. Those things are virtuous. And so we can get caught up in in this weird place where it's about the things that we're doing for God instead of being in the moment with God. And as you said, that question of just, God, what are you doing? What are you saying? What's on your heart? You know, who, who do you want me to call? Who do you want me to speak into? Or, or it, it might not even be, that might not even be necessary most of the time. Most of the time, it's just paying attention to those simple nudges from the Holy Spirit. Like you said, yeah. God puts that friend on your heart, that, that person that you haven't spoken to in a couple months, they just pop into your head. And instead of just pushing that away, like we so often do, like, oh, I just thought of so-and-so, maybe pause for a second and say, oh, is there something there, God? Is this you? Do you want me to call so-and-so? You know what I mean? Yeah. And just paying attention to those simple, often subtle ways that the Spirit of God just nudges us and 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 puts things on our heart and, and gives us access into His world to say, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm doing. But if I'm so focused on the next thing that I'm trying to get to or the next thing that I'm trying to get done, and not that you never have to focus on getting things done, because of course you do. But it's yeah. just this, I guess it's just this tension, right, of life, this balance of life, of learning to live in the moment and and at the same time not sacrificing the things that do actually need some attention too. Well, but there's a there's a phrase that my um, there's a phrase that my wife said a while back um, that just really rocked me. And she was hmm. she was teaching a message about God's presence. And I, I forget the whole context of the message, but she just there's this phrase that really just shook me. And she said, we've got to learn to be present in God's hmm. presence. 
Amen. And even with even with that, man, because we can look at God's presence as something that we do once a week or maybe <laughs> twice a right. week. We can right. look at his presence like that. But if we look at his presence as as himself, as him who lives on the inside of us, so we're carrying his presence with us everywhere that we go. And and so we always have this opportunity to be we're we're one with him. We always have this opportunity to talk to him, to be aware of his presence. But so often, again, just being distracted by so many things of life, I just think we can get to the point where we're so unaware of God's presence. We can be so unaware of what he's doing and what he's saying that again, I think I'm probably beating a dead horse with this, but we just miss out on opportunities, man. Um, because we we're focused on the things that we have to do so much. So again, not that we don't need to do that, but so much so that we miss out on what God actually is, <laughs> is wanting to do in the moment that we're in, you know? So just like living in the moment and being present where we are well, is so important. And so, yeah, so much to say about it, but you know, my mentor used to say, and he got it from somebody else, but I repeat it. The good is the enemy of the best. The good is the enemy of the best. And I can fill my time with good. Because mm -hmm. I, I I got that list. I know what's good. I, you know, I, you know. Yeah. But but here's what the living in the moment does is, is it sifts through what I actually have to do. Because what happens is because you talked about the next thing. Look. God's not against books. God's not against messages on Sunday. God's not against programs, like you said. But he is against them when when they become the focus. Come on. And and if God has called me to write a book, guess what he'll do? Is he'll nudge me to do that too. Yes. He'll be like, you know what? Turn that TV off. Put the, put the cell phone down. Get off of Facebook. Your father is telling you it's time to get serious and write today. Mm. Do the hard work of writing. I've given this to you. He does that too. But instead of me thinking I have to do this because well, a good pastor writes a book, right? I mean, like I, instead of having like an <laughs> assumption about something, yeah. like it feeds, it, it makes me more confident in the things that I am doing. Because, because sometimes God's like, you got to let that, program go that was for a season and you guys just gotta let that go yeah but god it's gonna piss people off if i let go of this program mm. well then you gotta travel light you gotta travel light wow. and so uh, but here but here's what happens man this has been my experience when i'm willing to be in the moment and how did you say it reach the one what 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 was the term that yes you used? i uh, i th i think what what she would say is stopping for the one stopping for the one when i'm willing to stop for the one here's the beautiful part man this is my been my experience it makes what i say in front of thousands mean something come on come on so oh. instead of focusing on, on on speaking in front of the thousands when mm. i focus on the one and then god puts me in front of thousands i don't care about the thousands I just care about what he wants me to say. And it makes what I say to those thousands actually mean more. Because there is a place for that. 
Sometimes God puts me on TV. I'm telling you, man, miraculously, not well, it seems miraculous to me because I, like I told you before on, on our pod, you know, on my podcast, like I have a face for radio on the podcast, right? Um, but <laughs> you're too hard on yourself. Bro. But for some reason, God's been putting me on TV and giving me opportunities for mm-hmm. more stuff. But I have to center my heart, man. I'd be like, it's not about, but, but, and I have to realize like, God's not putting me in those positions because he wants me to have a platform or he wants me to be popular is because the same message that I would say to someone I'm having coffee with and getting real with at lunch or something, that's the same message he Mm. wants me to say in front of thousands. And, and, and it means something now, now it's not about how many people I can reach. It's about making sure I encourage. I'm always saying what he wants me to say. And that's been my experience. I, I, you know, other people maybe have other experiences and that's valid. And I don't want to say anything else, but, but I think as was his, as was his pattern, what does it say? As, as was common to him or something, Jesus went away to pray. Yes. Jesus went away alone away from the disciples, away from the crowd, away from the 12 and the three and the one. He went away from everybody and centered himself with the Father. And he, and he, if he had to do that, right, I have to do yes. I have I to do that. If he had to listen to his Father and be in the moment, I have to listen to the Father and be in the moment. And there were times he was in front of thousands, and there were times it was just a woman at the well. And he was... and But... Here's the thing with the with the one, and I know our time's getting up, but here's the thing with the one. You know what he says about the woman at the well? They come to him because they the, the disciples went to get him something to eat. Mm. And and they bring him food. And he's like, I'm not hungry. And yeah. they say, Well, who gave you something to eat? Like they were annoyed. They're like, Man, we went all the way into town, <laughs> you know, spent money. Mm-hmm. And he's like, my food is to do the will yes. of my father. Just him loving on the one. That's, and I'm not saying it wasn't true about everything he did, but that's the context he said it was with the one. I touched one life today and I'm, I'm so satisfied. I'm not even hungry anymore. Well. And I'm telling you, like, if, if, if the church gets this, I, I, you're right. It, it, I don't think we understand how much God is going to, like, be so happy. He'll just bless us with mm-hmm. all sorts of things. And I'm not talking about money, right? But we're Americans, so we think blessing has to be money. Uh, but I'm talking about more of himself. Yes. Yeah. And more and more of who he is, more awareness of his presence, more revelation about what's true, more love for others, more opportunities and and expanding our tent pegs, as it were, and in that case. Oh, man. Whew. That was so good. I, I love that. Um, I love that, you know, and and the fact that he says my food is to do the will of my father who sent me. And in the context that he was in, um, that really is such a beautiful thing. The context he was in of ministering to this woman who, 
I mean, if you look at the whole situation, like he shouldn't have been doing that in the first place. Right. He shouldn't have been talking to this woman in particular, um, you know, because of because of the stigma that was attached there. And, and the fact that, you know, again, Jesus, um, he as as a minister, as a man, he wasn't supposed to be like there's so many things that we can look at. And it, it was it was just as important. It was just as valuable to speak into the life of that one person who if we look at it from a cultural standpoint she didn't deserve his time she didn't deserve his attention um she was a sinner oh my gosh <laughs> you know like all 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 this stuff this, just from a cultural standpoint there she were all kinds of reasons not not to be there yeah yeah she was man. racially she was racially she was a woman she was a sinner i mean like yeah. you're right there was like all these marks against her and she knew it yeah she knew it and yet he loved her and that spoke to her. And it was just as valuable talking to that one person as it was talking to the multitudes and Amen. opening blind eyes and all these different things. It, it wasn't any lesser. It, it, he wasn't sitting there like checking his watch like, oh, I got to get back to real ministry. Like, no, <laughs> this is ministry. This is real ministry. I'm in the trenches with one person right now because they they need me and because this is what God is doing. This is what's on the heart of the father right now. Um, that's so cool, man. I and you know, what, and you know what that communicates? I could talk about this for another eight hours, but you know, what yeah, that you know what that communicates? Because here's the question. If you say, do you believe God is love people? Oh yeah. Do you believe God loves people? Oh God. So love the world. No. Do you believe God loves you? Mm -hmm. Do you know? Let, let's yeah. get personal with it. Do you believe God is willing to put all his time on you. Yes. Now mm. he's infinite and he can do that with every human. <laughs> but my point is, is that we, we want to feel seen. We want to feel heard. Every human being wants this. And we have a God who's willing to say, just come away with me, just you and me. It can be just you mm. and me. And that's how much I love you. Even if it was just you, it's for the world and it's for the redemption of all creation. And that's the kingdom. I get it. But that doesn't discount the fact that experientially he wants us to know, I love you. You are, are important to me. And that's been my experience with the father and, and where I, I don't think I'm worth it. And he explains to me that to, to him, I am. And that's what we do when, when we're able to stop for the one, we are expressing that reality to people. Yeah. Yes. We are expressing the reality of heaven to people that God cares about one. He cares about the multitude too. He cares about yeah. races. He cares about nations. Yeah. Like that's all in the Bible too, but he also cares about the one. Yeah. And whew. There it is. And by the way, yeah. the result of that was she was emboldened yeah. to go into the town, the, the same town she thought was was judging her. She felt emboldened. She didn't care what they thought about her anymore because God loved her. And that was more important. Yeah. And she was willing to say, God Man. loved you got to come see this guy. You got to come see him. And they and they and they did. So good. 
Whew, man, I wish we had more time. Um, ah, I know I we know. gotta. I know. I know we gotta get out of here. But uh, um, can you come back because we didn't yes. get into anything, <laughs> anything. <laughs> literally nothing of of what I uh, had sort of considered talking to you about. I wanted to ask you about the coffee business and um, how it you know, it intertwines with the ministry. And I'm just so fascinated by so many aspects of your life. And um, I'd love to talk to you a little bit about your previous missionary work in, Korea, in yeah. uh, South Korea and just, just you know, so many, so many things, man. So I'd love to have you back on. I really do appreciate your time before we completely run out of time. Um, would you just share a little bit about where people can find you, how they can, we mentioned your podcast at the beginning, but um, I, I would love for you to also point people to, um, to your book, say yes. We haven't even talked about that, but I came across your book on Amazon and uh, just what, whatever you, you'd like to, to plug for a, a couple of minutes here and, and how you can point people to you so that they can find out more from you. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, my, my ministry website is uh, Brit Mooney, B-R-I-T-T-M-O-O-N-E-Y.com. And you, you can get a free, uh, there's a free book on there called The Truth Makes Us Free. It's a series of articles mm -hmm. that I've written over the last year. And... Uh, and so it's on a, a lot of different topics, but the, the the general theme is on how truth is transformative. And so you can get a free book on there. And it's also got stuff about Kingdom Over Coffee, which is the podcast. You can you already mentioned the podcast. And so people can, you know, just look at that on any of those major platforms. And as far as the coffee is concerned, uh, if you like amazing coffee that's doing a world of good and it's a total God story. Then you can go to Phoenix P H O E N I X roasters R O A S T E R S dot coffee, Phoenix roasters dot coffee. And, um, and just, you know, just look around and, uh, we believe in, in wedding feast coffee, you know, that's something we can talk about in another episode, but we, you know, we, we believe in excellence. We believe that Jesus could have got away with the worst wine at the end of the wedding, but he made the best. Yeah. And that's who he is. Mm -hmm. And he's, he's, he saves the best for last. That's who God is. That's one of my favorite things about him. And he, um, but, but we have the best coffee. And so it's important to us that we have high quality coffee and that is also redemptive in, in our trade. I call it redemptive trade, which is a whole nother conversation. But it's all all connected with relationship and the importance of, of seeing people. And so phoenixroasters.coffee is an amazing place to go and get great coffee and great, um, great merch and all that stuff. And yeah. And then, of course, you can see stuff about the book, Say Yes. Say Yes is a story of our coffee company and our church. And it's just a God story where we also try to encourage people using our story to get them to ask questions about the God-sized dreams that God has for them. Because not everyone mm. was is meant to start a coffee company or plant a church or go to a, another country. But we are all meant to walk creatively with our God and do yeah. things we were not maybe expecting to ever do. But when we when we walk with God, he calls us to things that he can do. And that's the, that's kind of the point of the book. How do we do that? What's the practical sort of process of that? So beautiful. I think that's enough. Yeah. <laughs> 
Love it. Well, Britt, thank you again, man. Thank you for your time. Right, I really, man. really like. I, I can't express how much I enjoyed this conversation. It was definitely yeah, a God too. conversation that was kind of out of nowhere. And I, I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, really, really enjoyed it. Thank you, everybody, for stopping by and taking the time to check out this episode. Really, really appreciate you guys. Have an awesome day. We'll see you next time. All right, guys, episode's over. want to thank you again so much for taking the time to check out this conversation. I hope that it blessed you. If you're looking for a way that you can support this podcast, you can do that by sharing, subscribing, or leaving a review. Thank you so much in advance. If you happen to be looking for a way that you can monetarily support this podcast and just kind of help us keep the lights on, then you can do that by following the link that's in the show notes of this podcast episode. And for as little as $5 a month or even as a one-time donation, you can um, become a contributor to this podcast and that would just really mean the world to me. It will also open up for you some exclusive content that's only available for people that become contributors of the show. And also, if you happen to do that, if you become a contributor to this podcast, I'd also like to share some other free gifts with you. I'd like to uh, send you a digital copy of both of my books, my book Simple Power, as well as What Is God Saying, which is a sort of a comprehensive guide to learning how to hear God's voice more clearly and more consistently in your daily life in practical ways. I'd like to send those to you. I can't do that through the website currently, so you'll just have to let me know. You can contact me through one the social media platforms, just direct message me or through my website. You can email me at duke at simplepowermedia.com. Just let me know that you became a contributor of the show. You don't have to tell me how much it was or anything like that. Anything gets you um, just kind of put into this group where I do just want to express my gratitude and I'd like to send you a free digital copy of both of those books. So again, thank you everybody in advance. Love you all. Thanks for being a part of this podcast in any way, shape, or form. Hope you have an awesome rest of your week. I look forward to seeing you next time.